The second reading is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 30, and that can be found on page 1081 of your Black Bibles. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I also may be encouraged when I hear news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character, because he has served with me in the gospel ministry, like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am convinced in the Lord that I myself will also come quickly. But I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him but also on me, so that I would not have one grief on top of another. For this reason, I am very eager to send him, so that you may rejoice when you see him again, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in honour, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Selena. I want to start tonight by asking you a couple of questions. I want you to think of the the two or three sermons or, or Bible talks that have had the, the biggest impact on your Christian life. Can you think of those? I think it's quite hard, isn't it? Because let's be honest, like you hear a sermon and five minutes later, you've kind of forgotten it. That's a different question. Uh, name the two or three people. The two or three people who have had the biggest impact on your Christian life. Who are you thinking of at the moment? Can you see their faces? Can you remember what they taught you, what they modeled to you? See, see, we actually learn from people, don't we? And most of us learn not just from reading books, but actually from spending time with people. And when you've got good, godly Christian men and Christian women who you hang out with and you do life with, and they teach you how to pray, and they teach you what it means to be a, a Christian worker, or they, they teach you a contentment, or they teach you joy even in suffering, and you see these people, you think, I just want to be like them. You've got those people in your life, those men and those women, who you think, I just want to be a bit more like them. Because that's how we learn. The kids learn not just from their teachers at school, they actually learn from adults and other kids. And my kids, they, they do speak with a bit of an English twang. And I haven't taught them that. I haven't taught them how to speak English properly. They just sort of just picked it up by osmosis. It's like, you know, if you've got a problem in your home, I'm assuming that most of us don't grab the instruction manual. We go to YouTube to watch somebody else fixing it rather than reading the instruction manual. It's just the way that we work. Preachers learn to preach not by reading books on preachers, but by listening to other preachers, watching them. So who are the men, who are the women in your life who've had the biggest impact in your faith, in your walk with Jesus? 
Here's some of mine. The guy at the top left is a guy called Stuart Dunn, and he was the first guy who really sat me down and answered every question I had as an unbeliever. Uh, David Gibb was a guy who really uh, discipled me the first time, who read the Bible one-on-one. Vaughan Roberts is a guy who really taught me how to do youth talks at the church I was at. David Jackman is a guy who taught me how to preach, not just to understand the Bible, but to communicate with people. Uh, David Fletcher was my first pastor. Now, he wasn't the best preacher, but he loved people. He remembered your name. He, he, he prayed for me. I know he prayed for me. He remembered facts about me. Uh, Wally Bean, he taught me like he, he never finished school, but that didn't matter. Like, he had an amazing ability to explain God's word. Richard Cokin, who really inspired me in church planting, and, and Peter Jensen, who taught me how to think theologically, or John Stott, the amazing John Stott, as you just, just lap up his books, you think, I want to be like this man. Alistair Tresilla, you probably never heard of him. He was my first boss. He taught me a really important thing about ministry. Ministers about people, not programs. People, not programs. Bonhoeffer or, or Simeon, Corrie Ten Boom, who inspired me you know, to, to make huge sacrifices for Christ. Andrew Brownie or Catherine Hamlin, who, who sacrificed everything to go overseas to serve the poor, to serve the needy. Steve Reese on the bottom left-hand corner, he's, he's a good friend of mine over in the UK. He's got this amazing ability to, to engage someone who's not a believer, who's never been in church. He uses humour and people just warm to him and he's just natural about his faith. Well, my wife Rachel, who's really modelled to me how to trust God's sovereignty in the darkest times of life. That, it's been so good for me this week just to think about the people. I encourage you to do that. Sit down and think about the people who have really modelled Christ to you. Maybe write them a letter this week and say, thank you for doing that. See, tonight we're going to meet three extraordinary men. Three amazing men who, who did this, who they lived a life worthy of the gospel. The names are Timothy and Epaphroditus and the Apostle Paul. And they're men, really, who just who just oozed Philippians. They were partners in the gospel. For them, to live was Christ and to die was gain. For them, uh, their attitude was the same as that of Christ Jesus. And they did shine like stars. You think, I want to be like these men. And I'll be honest, when I first read this passage to preach, and I was thinking, what am I going to do with this? There are a few random names, a bit of travel narrative. I think verse 29 is a key verse. Paul says to the Philippian church, Welcome Epaphroditus in the Lord and with all joy, and hold men like him in honour. Hold men like Epaphroditus in the highest regard. Look up to them, admire them, learn from them. You want to be like these kind of men. Now what have these three people got in common? Timothy, Epaphroditus and Paul. What, What have they all got in common? They all love Jesus. That's the biggest point, isn't it? They all love Jesus. Because the more that you love Jesus, the more selfless you become and the more eager you are to serve your Savior. It all starts with knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, being convinced that Jesus really is the best thing that's ever happened to you. These men loved Jesus, were devoted to Jesus, and it changed them. Let's meet the first guy. His name's Timothy. I've called him Selfless Timothy. Let's read verse 19. 
Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Let's just stop there. So, so, so Paul's in prison in Rome. He's about a thousand kilometers from Philippi. So Paul himself cannot go to Philippi. So he hopes in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to them. I love that phrase, in the Lord Jesus. It's kind of like, that's my plan, but it may not be your will, God. Like Deo Valente, God willing, I'll send Timothy to you. So who is he sending? What kind of guy is Timothy? Verse 20. He says, I have no one else like-minded. Or literally, no one equal in soul. No one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interest, Philippian church. Isn't that amazing? He is the kind of guy who is so other person-centered. He cares for other people more than himself. And when Paul says in verse 20, he cares about their interests, he's not talking about their hobbies. He's not saying that no, Paul will take, sorry, Timothy will take an interest in your cross-stitch or your cross-fit. Or Paul will take an interest in your running club or whatever you choose to do as your hobby. He's saying he's concerned for you as a person. He is genuinely caring for your soul. Because, verse 21, most of us are in that all, all seek their own interest. Most of us are selfish. We think about ourselves, not those of Jesus Christ. But Timothy, his concern is for Jesus Christ. Isn't that striking, verse 21? You expect him to say, all seek their own interests, not those of others. But he doesn't. He says, all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, what makes Timothy so special is that his concern is for Christ. And he thinks like Christ, he acts like Christ, he cares like Christ. And because of that, he is selfless, not selfish. You can't imagine Paul, he's sort of sitting in jail in Rome and he's thinking, oh, look, who can I send to Philippi? I, I could send Jake. He's a, he's, a, he's a good Christian man. He's, he's solid in the faith. And, but you know what? He's a bit arrogant. Talks about himself the whole time. I, I won't send him. And I could send Phoebe. She's a great Christian woman. She's, she's godly. But, you know, it, it feels like just Jesus is a bit of an add-on. She adds Jesus into her calendar. She's not, she's not full on for Jesus. I'm not going to send her. And I could send Joe. He's a good Christian man. But, you know, he's a bit of a talker. He talks about all this stuff he's going to do. And it's, it's all talk and no action. Who can I send? I know. I send Timothy. Because, verse 20, I've got no one like him. He is the cream of the crop. Now what makes Timothy so special is this, that his concerns was for Christ. And so he was selfless. Let's think about Christ. What, 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 why did Christ leave heaven to come to earth? Because of your soul. Why did Christ teach and heal? Because of people's souls. Why did Christ go to the cross? Because of your soul. Why did Christ defeat death? Because of your soul. Christ's concern was your soul, your spiritual well-being. And Timothy had the same concern. He was concerned for people's souls. That's what made him selfless. Uh, Paul knows that if he sends Timothy to Philippi, Timothy would get, get stuck in that church. And he, he'd be the kind of guy, you know, where 
over supper at 5.30 church. Timothy would be there, and he sort of, he sort of he'd, he'd gaze the courtyard and, and look for the person standing by themselves and go and talk to them. And he's, he's a person over, over, over supper tonight who would be there going, uh, not, not talking about the weather and how miserable it's been, but saying, you know, how do you find that sermon? How do you walk with Jesus? Can I care for you? What can I do for you? How can I serve you? You ever met those people? When you're talking to them, it, it feels like you are the, the most important person they're talking to you right now. And it feels like they actually want to help you, not help themselves. That's Timothy. He's the kind of guy who would be in here clearing out all the chairs ready for 7 p.m. to help 7 p.m. service. Not him, but others. And the clue is he loves Jesus. You know the acronym for joy? J stands for Jesus. O stands for others. And Y stands for yourself. And when you get that order right, J-O-Y, Jesus, others, yourself, you really do find joy in your walk with Jesus, serving others. The thing I love about Timothy, verse 22, is that he's not just a, a good talker. He actually does it. Verse 22, you, you know his proven character. Uh, the word there is tested. Same word as in Romans chapter 5. His character, his, his selflessness, his, his compassion, his kindness, his care has been tested. Of course it's been tested. It's like, it's like the product. You know, you know, if you create a product, to make sure your product actually does what it said it's going to do, the manufacturers, they test it. And when you test a product, you, you basically put it through the extreme conditions to make sure it holds up. Isn't that how God often tests us? Takes us through the most extreme conditions to make sure our character holds up. That is Timothy. He's been a slave for Christ. He's given up all his rights. He's suffered hardship. And yet he's always proven to be faithful. Always thinking of others. You get a glimpse of that in verse 22. He served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Always willing to go where Paul tells him to go. He had this beautiful father-son relationship with the Apostle Paul. Paul was like his mentor and his friend and the father in the faith. And it was not easy for Timothy to leave Rome to go to Philippi. And I was thinking, why did, why did Timothy go? Why didn't Timothy play the, the busy card, you know? Oh, sorry, Paul, I can't go to Philippi. I'm just busy at the moment. Send somebody else. Or why didn't he play the, the, the family card? Oh, I, I'm sorry, but I've got this, this sick person here and I've got a, a child about to start high school and I can't possibly go. Well, how about the, the, the card that we like to play called balance? I need a balanced life, so send somebody else. Why, why didn't he do that? The answer is he put the needs of others above his own. He was willing to go where God needed him to go, whatever the cost. He didn't think self, he thought others. Isn't that the, the kind of man you want to be around? Now, who are the Timothys in this church that you want to be around? I could name a few, you know. There's a man in this congregation who pays for a couple to go on a date night almost every week. 
and he looks after their kids. That is selfless, isn't it? Uh, there's a woman in this congregation, sorry, at 3.30 congregation, who cooks two meals a week at random. No, no loss doesn't go around. She just spots people in need and she cooks two meals a week and just delivers them. That is selfless. There's a guy at 7 p.m. church who's here early in the morning to serve at kids' church. He's here late at night. He's volunteering to stack chairs. He's doing all the behind-the-scenes business. His name's Jackson. He's extraordinary. He is selfless. Think of Rachel Mardin. You're selfless the way that you come and serve at kids' church joyfully. I could name a whole lot of people, Viv, like the way that you're just there serving Jesus selflessly, not concerned for other people. Just putting, putting their needs above your own. It's amazing. Dan Webster, he's a selfless servant of the gospel. And, and all these people, when you spot them, you think, I want to be like that person. So hang around them. Don't stalk them. Hang around them. Now, learn why they do it and what they do. Because deep down, we're all selfish, aren't we? I love this quote. Many a professing Christian has a veneer of godliness nailed thinly over a solid bunch of selfishness. That's me. My wants and my needs. And I've been praying that God would make me more selfless and less selfish. That's Timothy. Let's learn from Epaphroditus. The word I've used for him is servant Servant of the gospel, making costly decisions for the sake of the gospel. The thing I love about Epaphroditus is this. His name means lovely. That's what Epaphroditus means. And what I love about him is that you've probably never heard of him. He's got no books in the Bible written after him or to him. As far as you know, he's not a church planter. He's not a church pastor. He didn't write great theological books. He... He's just an ordinary bloke, an ordinary Christian man who faithfully serves his saviour. Just so you grasped who he is, I want you to pretend that this is Philippi. And we're the church at Philippi. And I've just told you that the Apostle Paul is in prison in Rome. That's a thousand kilometres away. And if you're in prison in Rome... You need others to provide your food and your clothing. Otherwise, you would starve and you'd be naked. And so I, as the pastor at Philippi, am standing up in front of you at the church saying, okay, church, who's going to go? Who's going to go to Rome and walk for six weeks, a thousand kilometers? No FaceTime, no Skype, no internet transfers for your money. Who's going to carry the money, carry the clothes, carry the food for six weeks? There's a man called Epaphroditus sitting amongst you tonight. And he goes, that's me. I'll go. Send me, Lord. I'm willing to go. And he does go. And on the journey, we're told twice that he gets sick. And he gets so sick, he almost dies. And you imagine the doctor saying to to Epaphroditus, come on, mate. Just go home to Philippi and put your feet up and rest. He says, no, no, no. I'm going to Rome. I'm going to Rome to serve my saviour. That's the kind of guy I'm talking about. That's why Paul says in verse 29, hold men like him in honor. Respect him because he's a servant of the gospel. 
We're told in verse 25 that he's a, a brother of Paul, not a, a, a physical brother. He's actually a spiritual brother. He's a co-worker. That is, he, he's working together for Christ. He's a fellow soldier on the front line fighting for Jesus. He's a messenger. He's a minister to his needs. But as you read verses 26 to 30, it's all a bit dramatic and a bit emotional. Let me just read it. He's been longing. So Epaphroditus has been longing for the Philippians and was distressed. That word distressed is the same, use, same word used of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's distressed because he heard, you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick, he nearly died. But God had mercy on him. And not also on him, but also on me, so that I would not have one grief on top of another. For this reason, I'm very eager to send him, so you may rejoice when you see him, and I may be less anxious. This is, these are verses that are full of anxiety. So the Philippians are anxious that Epaphroditus is sick, and they don't know whether he's alive or dead. They're anxious about that. And Epaphroditus is anxious because the Philippians are anxious about him. And Paul is anxious that the Philippians are anxious about, the, about Epaphroditus. Do you get it? So everybody's anxious. And then you understand why Paul might write in Philippians chapter 4, do not be anxious about anything. What impressed me about Epaphroditus is verse 30. He came close to death for the work of Christ. Serving his saviour, he was willing to sacrifice everything. You could say he was obedient to death, even death on the road to Rome. Reminds me of the uh, missionary Jim Elliot. Have you heard of him? He gave his life for Christ. His most famous quote is this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool when you serve Jesus wholeheartedly, when you commit yourselves to working for Christ no matter what the cost. That's not foolish. It's almost like if, he, if Epaphroditus had a business card, he'd just have servant of Christ or worker for Christ. Wouldn't you love to have that on your gravestone? Worker for Christ, servant of Christ. As I was preparing this sermon, I was reading a commentary and it, it had this prayer in it. And I kind of sort of gulped and thought, oh, could I pray that? I'm not sure I could. Here's the prayer. Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you might call me to do. And I'm willing to go anywhere you might want me to go. I'm just here to serve you, Lord. Wow. And I was thinking how to apply this. Who are the great servants of Christ? And they, I was thinking, oh, I must talk about Andrew Brown. You know, he gave his life to go and serve uh, the women of Africa. Great servants of the gospel. Oh, I must talk about the, 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 the voice of the martyrs, those men in prison for their faith. Great servants of the gospel. But they don't really connect with us, do they? Because they're the, the super Christians, the super spiritual ones. Let's talk about people here. The men and women here who really are servants of the gospel. Paul and Jess Hewson, running Christianity Explored every Monday night, so blocking out their work diary so they can come and serve here at church on a Monday night. They're servants of the gospel. 
Now, Russ and Naomi DeVries, who have chosen to live in a two-bedroom unit with three kids. Why? Because they want to serve Christ here at Church by the Bridge in Kirribilli. They are servants of the gospel. There's a lady at 7pm church who is here every single Sunday. She lives with chronic pain. She's the most joyful Christian. And she's a servant of the gospel. She's not up front, but she just gets alongside people. She encourages them. She spurs them on. She prays with them. She's a beautiful servant of the gospel. And I could name hundreds of people here who are like that. What motivates them? They just love Jesus. They just want to serve him. And I was thinking, you know, I should temper this by saying, you know, well, we're all busy. Of course we're all busy. But when I say making costly decisions for the sake of the gospel, when I talk about working for Christ, I'm not asking you to do more stuff. It's just that attitude, how can I serve Jesus at this particular stage of my life? Now, with the time and with the gift and the resources God has given me, how can I serve Jesus today? And that will change next month and next year. But it's having that attitude, I just want to serve Jesus. And it might be costly, but let's be honest, we're hardly being asked to risk our life for Christ in this country, are we? So I want to be like Timothy, I want to be like Epaphroditus, and I want to be like the Apostle Paul. The word I put for him is compassionate. The total opposite of what what most people think with the Apostle Paul. You think cold theologian, he's a caring pastor. He's the caring pastor compassionate, loving pastor. Why do I say that? Because the man is in prison. He's got his best friends around him. But he loves people so much that he's willing to give his nearest and dearest and be lonely for the sake of others. You get a glimpse of it in verse 27. He says, God have mercy on Epaphroditus. And not only on him, but also on me. So that I would not have one grief on top of another. What he's saying there is that he's grieved when he hears of Christians in need. He's grieved by Epaphroditus' sickness. He's grieved by the Philippians' anxiety. He's grieved when he hears of Christians who are doing it tough. He is grieved when he hears of Christians who are suffering. His heart is pained when he hears of Christians in need. Because that's what happens when you know Christ. You feel other people's pain more acutely. And hopefully the more that you love Christ, the more compassionate, the more sympathetic, the more empathetic, the more loving, the more caring, the more kind, the more patient you become. And again, I could just talk about lots of people at 530 Church who are really compassionate. The people who just give hours and hours of their time to sit with people who are in need and they listen and they cry and they pray with them. I praise God for you. There's some amazing people at 5.30, you know, when you, know when you do the, the hive group list at the beginning of the, of the year and everyone puts their emails in saying, I must be in this group with this person. I must be there. Nobody else, please. And then you get these emails saying, thank you for, for doing this and putting this list together. I know it's really hard work. I'm happy to go wherever you put me. Just think of the people I could love and serve best. And your heart just sings at those emails. 
And they were emails like from 5.30. Because you love people, don't you? I think this church, this congregation of 5.30 loves people really, really well. Please keep doing that. Because church is about people, not programs. So don't you want to be like these three guys? Willing to be sent anywhere, willing to serve anyone, willing to sacrifice everything because they loved Jesus and they loved people. Selfless, servants, full of compassion. And it all comes from knowing Jesus. So who do you want to learn from? Can I encourage you this week, think of people at 5.30 and think, I want to be like them. Spend time with them. Hang out with them. Listen, learn. Why? Because you'll become more like Christ. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would make us men and women who are eager to learn from others. Lord, where we're selfish, please rid us of that and replace it with selflessness. Father, when we're thinking of serving ourselves, change us and help us to serve others. When we struggle to be kind or compassionate by your spirit, would you change our hearts and fill us with a deep love for people? And Lord, I ask as a church that as we learn and model to each other, that you'd be making each one of us here have the same attitude and the same mind of, of Christ Jesus, who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And we ask that for Jesus' sake.